Welcome to Lindsay Lane's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message and we pray that it will serve as an encouragement to you as you go throughout the rest of your week. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump right in, all right? Lord, uh, thank you for the reminder of what we sang and how good you are to us, Lord. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are holy. And God, tonight I pray that as we study a difficult uh, topic, that God, we would remember that you are the authority on all things. And God, that your glory is in mind and our, our good works out of that glory and we're thankful. So Lord, teach us tonight, all of us, Lord, help us to grow closer to you, help us to be better in our relationships so that we may reflect your glory. And Lord, I, I pray that what we learn tonight would help us as we relate to people so that we'll be better at sharing the, the gospel and better at uh, representing the gospel. Lord, the good news that you save and redeem and um, just so thankful, Lord, for your grace and mercy over my life. And just pray tonight, Lord, you would teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I love, I really do. I, I, I talk about this all the time. I love coming to church and I really love Wednesday nights because I was, as we were singing, uh, I thought to myself, uh, I was discipled on a Wednesday night. And not on one, but on many over time in the student ministry in the church that I grew up in. And we were just taught the Bible, man. We were just taught the scriptures and um, consistently over time. And that's how I was discipled. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. And tonight we are going to talk about uh, a difficult topic per se. And uh, we'll look at that in just a minute. We're, we're going to talk about sin a good bit tonight. And um, I, I don't know if this encourages you or not, but it, it truly encouraged me. I talked with a, a guy today that... Um, is thinking baptism over and um, and and is there's a there's a hesitancy with him for baptism because he is uh, he, he doesn't feel worthy of it. He 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 even said to me, and I just love his honesty. He said, "I, I feel like that's like this graduation, like like you need to be at this point before you're baptized." And and he, he even told me, he's like, "I'm just not I'm not that good of a person." And I was like, "You're not. That's exactly right. And I'm not either. And that's the beauty of it, right?" And like it's a step of obedience where everybody that has been baptized know the deal. <laughs> that, that none of us are deserving of it because that, that sin separates us from God. And that's the beauty of, of God's grace and mercy over us. So let's just keep that in mind tonight as, as we look at, again, as we look at alternative lifestyles in the world and the Word. And, and what we're going to look at tonight are basically the mindset of the world and the mindset of the Word and what should or what do they think and what should we think, all right? What, what, what do they think and what should we think? And so the first thing we're going to look at is what are they thinking? If there's somebody in your life or you have pictured that you think is living an alternative lifestyle, the first thing that I would say when we ask the question of what are they thinking is that we need to be careful not to generalize they. That's the first point I want to make is we need to be careful when, when we just put everybody into one group that's living an alternative lifestyle. It's all the same. They're all in our face. Everything's different and up against the word, but there are so many different people. There's so many different situations and contexts and scenarios, especially in 2021. And, and in order for us to minister to that church, we've got to be culturally competent. I read that this week. Culturally competent. Meaning we, we need to take the time past our assumptions and actually learn and talk to people and what they're dealing with. As, as I'm talking about alternative lifestyles tonight, in, in my conversations with people that are either associated with this or dealing with it directly, they're all the same, but they're all different. 
It's all different situations. It's all different context and, and coming from different angles. So what I, the reason I would say that you have to be careful not to generalize they when it comes to alternative lifestyles is because you can have the best intentions and you can have the right motives, but with bad information and assumptions, you can ruin a conversation. And, and your work for the gospel can actually go the other way because you just assume that everything is the same. So this is not to say that you need to put off any conversation that you need to have for a season so that you can study. That's not what I'm saying. It is to say, though, that you need to try to your best to know what in the world you're talking about. That you need to try to understand the, the truth of God's word, the truth of the situation, uh, and, and be open to what you don't know. You know, it's okay that you don't know every single answer. It's okay that you don't know every single situation. And I would also say this on the front. For sources that, that you need to start with, if you're wanting to learn and know more about lifestyles in the world and lifestyles in the, styles in the Word, first of all, start with the Bible. Amen? And, and start there. I had somebody sent me the other night. They were asking for a, uh, a resource to use when, when counseling a certain situation. Like, we're dealing with this situation. What, what resources would you guys send to... To, to, um, to counsel to this specific couple in this specific situation. And I almost took a picture of my Bible and just sent it back. Like, and I was like, they're going to think I'm a smart aleck. But I mean, that's where you need to start. That's where you need to start is to be very familiar with the word of God. And then past that, there are godly scholars and pastors that have written specific works relative to this. And, and, and I know some of those works and study from some of those works and our staff members know the same and our group leaders. So if you're looking for something, let us know so that maybe we can direct you to something specific so that you can uh, study that and, and become a little bit more, as I've read, culturally competent. But for the space, for the sake of speaking to a point tonight and not being so general, we're going to look at homosexuality tonight, homosexuality. And uh, that's just one topic of many surrounding the topic of sex and gender. It's a, it's a, a base to begin with. And that's why we're going to talk about it tonight. And, uh, and it's probably a, a likely of interest to many with us as, um, many people are, are dealing with this indirectly or directly in, in their life. It's, it's not a, a far-fetched thing to say that someone in this sanctuary is, it may be dealing with it personally. And so I think that's the sensitivity we have to bring to the sanctuary when we, when we look at this uh, scripture and look at the, the Bible and what it says. But it's important to mention, and even though we've mentioned this very consistently, I will say this in the beginning, homosexuality is a sin that is found in the scripture, along with a whole lot of list of sins in the scripture. So it is one, yes, and I don't want to mix words. I, I believe that based on what I read in the Bible, that homosexuality and the practice of it in any way, shape, or form is a sin. All right? But I would, I would encourage all of us to know that it is a sin that's found in the Scripture along with a whole long list of other sins just as well. So uh, we, we must not just take one out and, and call it the, the unpardonable sin. I want you to entertain this thought as we, as we discuss this. I read this uh, today. Almost any behavior begins to look normal if you are exposed to it enough of it. Think about that. Almost any behavior begins to look normal if you are exposed to enough of it. Well, the, the sin of homosexuality is, is one that has not yet settled into the majority of American culture. It's not one, it, it seems like it's increasing for sure, there's an agenda for sure, but it's not one that has completely settled into where everybody's, you know, like just live and let live. And everybody's tolerant of it. And, and so it hasn't reached that point yet. But pornography has. 
and promiscuity has and living together outside of marriage has and even to a certain degree adultery has so so church regardless of whether or not culture has become numb to something as a sin if it's found within a list of sins in scripture you got to take it reverently serious but all of it not just one that we pick out because it's in front of us, but all of them. So, so regardless of whether culture has gone, that's awful or that's all right. If it's found in the list, then everybody has to be reverent around what God thinks of it. The, the sin that Jesus died for, the sin that the Holy Spirit of God is trying to pluck out and pull out and lead us away from. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us those who are, are characterized. Now, you've got to understand this. There is a difference between indulging and practicing and struggling. There really is. There's a biblical difference between the indulgence of sin, the, the everyday practice of sin, and, and the, the dealing with sin and the struggling of sin. And 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that those who are characterized by sexual sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. It goes on to say, outside of that sexual sin, not inheriting the kingdom of God, those who are thieves, greedy, drunkards, abusive, cheats, none of them will experience the kingdom of God either. So once again, it, it's, it's in the list, and it's certainly there, but the lifestyle and practice of homosexuality is, is no different than the wicked lifestyle and the practice of a man who indulges in pornography. Or, or the woman who lives, who lives her life for the sake of the like of a posted picture. Or the college student who has thrown themselves into their flesh and lives for their youthful lust. Or the senior adult that will not hear truth because of their pride even from God himself. It's, it's the same. It, it truly is the same. These, these are, are living and sin characteristics that separates one from God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and for those who are not characterized by those sins, and that's what I would communicate to you tonight if you're at church on a Wednesday night, and hopefully you're seeking the Lord, amen? And uh, anybody seeking the Lord? Amen, all right? If you are seeking the Lord, but you give way to weakness at times, there's, there's some weak spots, and we all have those in our life. If we give way to weakness, there, there still must be a fearful distance from these. The list that I just read, it should still be a, a fearful distance from these. Not one of those we take grace for granted kind of occasional inclusion of sin from time to time in our lifestyle. That's, that's not the way to treat sin, the sin that Jesus died for. As one author put this, and this is good, she said, My choice sins know my name and address, and the same is true for you. If this is the case, though, where we are casual about embracing some of this sin that's found within these lists as, as church members, as Christians, and we open the doors every once in a while, and we count on the covering of grace, if that's us, then, then really we are working against what we want to solve. Because when, when we do this consistently as a Christian culture, when things in culture have kind of been like live and let live, and we've embraced those two, and we find that to be like in the category of sins, but not as bad as this one, when we do that, well, the same sex culture would then say, well, if you're not going to take any of those biblically serious, then why should we take these biblically serious? You see how, you see how important it is that we live in the Spirit? Every day, how important it is that we are dependent upon God to live right, walking right with God, 
Because when we want to lovingly confront someone with the truth that sin separates us from God, you better bet you they're going to be like, well, how come you get to do this then? You have, we all have to be acknowledged that. And that doesn't mean that we should get to this place where you're like, yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm not just going to say anything anymore because I hadn't got that licked yet. I hadn't, hadn't, that's, not, that's not become freed up in my life. It, what it does mean is that, that we should all treat everybody. We should all treat sin so serious and know that, that Jesus died for that sin. We need the grace of God to overcome that sin. We should yield to the God's spirit as he draws us closer to his standard of holiness. Amen? So let's go to the scripture. I would ask you to turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We're, we're going to look at some different scriptures before we actually get to Romans chapter 1. But as we said, we are, we're going to look into the, the scripture now as we talk about alternative lifestyles of the world. We're going to look at homosexuality specifically to have something to work from. And we're going to go to the scripture and, and really put the responsibility, first of all, on us who are in Christ. And then uh, something interesting that I've learned when you look in the Bible, look at Romans chapter 1, is, is how few times the Bible actually addresses it. How few times the Bible actually addresses it. But that doesn't mean it's not a big deal. The, the truth is, in, in my study, what I've learned is that it, it's a minor concern in terms of biblical emphasis because it is not the norm. It is not how it should go. It is not how relationships should go. And because same-sex relationships are not the norm, and because they are the counter to the norm, they are not widely addressed in Scripture. But it is addressed in Scripture, and it is addressed specifically and plainly. And to be biblically clear on, on homosexuality specifically, the Old Testament Scripture addresses this as far back as Genesis 19. See, when I, when I think to myself, like, we're having all these discussions about whether or not it's a sin. When it comes up in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, let's, I mean, come on now. Like, he, God's already called it out, right? And it, it was in a gross form in Genesis chapter 19. Because what you've got there is Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and it's included in, in chapter 19 of Genesis in the depravity of a group of barbaric men who go and pound upon the door of Lot and Lot has angels there that are as men in the home, and they are wanting to sleep with those men. A group of men is wanting to sleep with another group of men. They, that's why they are going in there. It is called out, and you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. The next day, Lot looks up, and it ain't nothing but ashes and smoke. And God dealt with it as, as in judgment. But that, that is a narrative in Genesis chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 18 and 20 is not a narrative. It's just explicit law. Like it is the law of God. Now I want to be careful and tell you this. If you read Leviticus 18 and, and 20, then, then you're going to see more relative to sexual sin rather than just that one verse that calls out homosexuality. So in Leviticus 18 and 20, this again is not narrative. It's just explicit law. 18.22 says, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it is a detestable sin. It says the same thing in chapter 20, verse 13. So if obviously when we put that out there, you may say, okay, well, the old, that's Old Testament law. And the law serves the purpose of showing us how, how sinful we are, right? We're not bound by the law anymore. We're bound by God's grace. And, and that's all well and good. But don't forget that Jesus quoted the Old Testament for principle's sake, for truth's sake. And, and don't forget that this is, this is the foundation for the rejection of sexual relationships outside of God's standard. 
So just because it's found in the Old Testament, don't just dismiss it because it's in the Old Testament. And nobody else should either. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, now we turn to the, from the Old to the New. And we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then the Bible says, Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, there is a certain difference between the indulgence of, the life characteristic of, the practice of, and dealing with, and struggling with. But I want you to notice the, the two things in that verse of script, passage of Scripture from 9 and 10. The first thing I want you to notice is that it says, or practice homosexuality, like it's in there. It's just in there, it just is. And then the second thing that we need to notice as we are answering the question of what, what do they think? People that are outside of what we would see as worldview, what do they think? I want you to see this, the, these, these three words. Don't fool yourselves. Do you see that? Don't fool yourselves. Your translation may say, be not deceived. See, this, this word deceived or fool, th- this means not to roam, not to wander. Don't wander from the way. Don't roam from the truth. Don't wander into thinking that your way is right and your way is permissible. Anytime that we conclude on our own apart from God that we've got the way, you can bet that we're going to run it into the ground. I have, a, I have a tendency to run right on time or fashionably late. That's a characteristic of the King family, right? We just own it now. That's just the way it is. So... But we, we have this tendency to run right on time. So we like to use the Waze app. Anybody use the Waze app? Because the Waze app will tell you how to get somewhere the quickest. The Waze app will say, go this route and you'll arrive there on time. So every once in a while, I'll use that when I'm taking the kids to school. Because <laughs> we're trying to make it in before they close the car line doors. And so as we are, are putting that into the Waze app, it will give you this route. And it will also suggest alternate routes, ways to go so that we will all arrive at the same place regardless of different time. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that the world will tell you there are different routes in order to get to God, and that's wrong. According to what the Bible says, you can't go alternate routes. There is one route, and it is through faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, and that is the way into heaven. Faith in the finished work of Jesus, and there is a turning from sin, a spiritually generated turning from sin that will happen as the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you of the righteousness of God and and the wickedness of you and how you need God and how the world needs God. And as we respond to that, when we put together that repentance of sin and faith in Jesus, that is real salvation, no alternative. That is the way to God. And that's not something that again, like that, that's, you know, that's what he's concluded. No, it's not. That's what it says. That's just what it says. So, so when we begin to think about this, that, that there's one route to heaven. Go back to 1 Corinthians 6 and what I said those three words are. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled to think it's another way. Don't be fooled to think Jesus has said something else, that God has endorsed something else. So, so what, what are they thinking? It's, it's, a, it's a deception. Now, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And I think because it's a deception, there needs to be compassion. There needs to be compassion because this is deception. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. And y'all, I'm telling you, we could do this for months. And we'll probably pick it up again because there's not enough time to just cover everything you want to say, y'all, and, and, and every different situation and all that. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. 
What are they thinking? Yes, they knew God, but would not worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now again, know that homosexuality is not the one and only mentioned as dark sin. It's not the one thing that's mentioned as a confused practice. But it is specifically spoken of here in verses 26 and 27. And the scripture goes, That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. It does not matter if you want to say that these were frivolous relationships or monogamous relationships. Or, that's when we're trying to make it say what we want it to say. This is, is plain and simple. When we decide, that, that's when we begin to thank God for ourselves. I know what God meant because it must have meant this because I don't feel that way. Well, when we decide about God for ourselves, the Bible teaches that our minds become dark and confused. And God ain't dark. Our God is light, and there is no darkness within him. That's what 1 John says, that God is light. Dark and confused because they are associated with sin. It's, it's why our minds become dark and confused. It's what we're characterized by when we are apart from God. When we will not acknowledge God and decide, and we decide for ourselves who God is, our minds become, as one translation puts it, senseless. We have a senseless heart and mind. When we have decided God for ourselves. That there's no way that God would do this. That God must be meaning this. That God is, is, has to be because we feel this way. That God must be this way. When we, when we come to that conclusion, the scripture says that our minds have become senseless. Our hearts have become senseless. And, and y'all, hopefully we're all thinking about that pet sin that we like. That thing that we like to say is okay. You see homosexuals are not the only people that are going to say, I was made this way, and because I feel this way, I should be able to do this. God, men and young men have been trying to do that forever. Somebody, I and mean, the guys are not going to say amen, but that's, it's the truth. How so? How is this, how is this senseless? Look at Romans 1.18. Romans 1.18, I want you to entertain this as to the thought of, of why this would be a senseless worldview or ideal. Romans 1.18 says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So they've chosen their own way. Wickedness is one of those words that we think that, you know, nobody thinks that they're wicked. Right? Wicked is like too much. That's, we're, we don't do some, the right thing all the time, but we're not wicked. Well, wickedness is basically just choosing your own way. So the scripture says, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. If you have chosen to go your own way, you are suppressing the truth. You are holding it down from it actually being the truth in your life. And then notice this. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. He's made it obvious. Why do we go back and forth on this so much if the truth is so obvious? Why is there such a debate over that? So, as I understand it, the union of male and female is an obvious part of God's order. It's, it's obvious. 
I mean, I'm really not, I'm simple-minded. It makes sense to my simple mind. As I understand it, procreation happens within the biology of a male and a female. It's, it's obvious, right? And, and I actually looked that up today <laughs> just to make sure I wasn't crazy. You got to be careful when you look things up like that. But I actually looked that up today. Britannica.com says this. For the, this is 2021. For this biological process to be carried out, certain organs and structures are required, or certain organs and structures are required in both the male and the female. That, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, not to be, it, it's not to be cute or sarcastic. What the scripture is saying is that they will know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. It's obvious the way that God has set it up for when, for when he told at, at the very beginning of Genesis two twenty seven, when God created human beings, he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. In order for that to happen, there, there's an obvious truth there. Fill the earth and govern it, right? That, that happens when you go back to Britannica.com and it's told you the science behind how procreation happens, how reproduction happens. And so I don't think God is trying to hide it. And again, I'm, I'm not being preachy to the point of where it's judgmental. I just want to say some things we make complicated that God has made obvious. It's the same way with heterosexual things. It's the same way when we look at it, we just don't want to look at it. A base argument for heterosexuality is as permissible is the biblical fact, yes, that Adam and Eve are the first beings... And the union, yes, but also the obvious truth that God has ordered humanity by the reproductive capabilities of men and women, with women. To conclude that same-sex relationships are a part of God's plan is only concluded from a mind that has concluded itself smarter than God. From a mind that has concluded itself different from God, better than God, And respectfully, respectfully, that is a dark and confused mind, a senseless heart. Y'all, if I can just be transparent for for just a moment, because I truly don't want to come off as judgmental. But as I mentioned before, you know, I'm I'm a grown man. I know what it's like to be a teenage kid. Full-fledged, full-blooded, growing-up boy. And in my mind, even though I was seeking the Lord during those teenage years... I would justify the things that I thought and wanted to do because I have been made this way. Well, it's obvious if, if you look in the Scripture and, and if you trust God of what he says is, is right. See, we, we can all do that. We can all try to justify our sins by the way that we feel. That can be done in all different kinds of ways. Listen to this. I read an essay from a woman who walked away from a, a lesbian lifestyle. She began to follow Jesus, and this is what she said. To be clear, I was not converted out of homosexuality. I was converted out of unbelief. I was converted from unbelief. Unbelief is not attached to one sin. Unbelief is attached to them all. It's the belief that this is okay, even though you said something different. It's the belief that I'm good, even though you say it's not. Believing our own way is better. That, that is the base sin of the world, is believing that our way is better than yours, God. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 9, the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Who is me? Me is, is Jesus. Me referring to the way and the truth and life. Me referring to the, the visible image of the invisible God. And, and Jesus said, let's all remember this for the sake of our own sin. Sins. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. To follow Jesus, you cannot follow yourself. 
You, you must take up your cross and follow Jesus. If you try to hang on to your life, the Bible says, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Take up your cross means that you are going to die. It means you are, you are giving your life away to follow a holy God. Even if it goes against your feelings, even if it goes the way that, the way that you think that you were born, if that contradicts the word of God, all of that. It, you, to take up your cross means that something at the end of the day has to be sin that condemns you. Something does. So to take up your cross means that you will die to follow Jesus. Jesus said for us to deny ourselves. So what happens? What happens is, is our flesh deceives us. Our flesh is so loud and so strong, and it talks to us all the time. It's going to deceive us into thinking that our way is better. And many will lose, listen to this, many will lose their souls believing in and following their feelings all the way to the grave. Even to the point where they will conclude who God is. This is a message to any that would want salvation while making room for sin. You must give up your own way. That's, that's Christians, that's for all of us to understand. Small sin, big sin, we, we give up our own way to go the way of God. And I think for those who are believers, those who are in Christ, this never stops happening as the Spirit of God sanctifies us, plucking and pulling weeds out of our life that should not be in that garden. This is when I'd like to make the point, though, that I, listen to me, I think many who are experiencing sexuality issues are truly in need of ministry because not all, not all have defined themselves or have, not all have defined God for themselves. Some who are experiencing these issues uh, are not giving themselves totally to personal pleasure. Instead, they are, are they're, they're not all trying to convince culture that Christianity is wrong and God is wrong and homosexuality and Christianity work together. They're not all trying to do that. Many of those who have a weakness that's relative to same-sex desire believe God to be the God of the Bible. They're struggling with it. Like, what I mean by that is, like, they'll sit down and tell you, I see what it says, I believe God to be right, and I'm having a hard time. So what does the church do with that? See, because when we look on the news, we just feel like all of them fit in the same category. You all condemn going to hell. I'm glad I'm going to heaven, and I guess so be it. Well, my word, aren't we lucky? See, there, there's got to be compassion out of that and understanding of certain situations because many whose weakness is relative to this desire, it's not that they are, are completely throwing their... Their ideology in the face of God and Christianity, they are actually hoping for a way to freedom. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I've had conversations with people recently relative to this. So this is why we have to be culturally competent to know that and have relationships and conversations because some of, some of those who live an alternative lifestyle, they want to give up their own way. And it's difficult. Can the church say amen to that? We, we want to give up our way, and it's difficult. And the reason is, is because that flesh doesn't go away till Jesus comes or we go to heaven. So it's warring against us. And so for that reason, we have to be an open door to help. We have to be an open door to help. I, I, um, I, I will tell you just recently, and one of the reasons we're not live streaming this and all that we're recording it if you wanted to share it but there's a um 
there's someone that our family knows that, that lives what, what Christian worldview would call outside of a biblical worldview, a lifestyle outside of that, and have known this person for a long time. We saw this person recently, and the first thing that, that I did and Brittany and I did when we saw them was go up to them and give them a hug. Because if they, can, they experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, I want them to come and knock on my door. That, that's what I want to happen. And if we're like, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't don't get away from them, get away from them. I'm telling y'all, folks could have done that to me too. So I would just remind us all that there is this balance. And, and the next time that we come in here, because this is getting late, the next time that we come in here, we'll, we'll look at what should we think. What should we think? Because now what we're trying to do is take a look at what, what do they think. And, and what I, I truly believe is that I, I know what I believe. So I can go up and give you a hug because you're not going to shake me. I got something you need, right? Which is why we would approach and develop a relationship and keep a relationship so that when something goes down and, and the ox is in the ditch, so to speak, and there's brokenness that maybe, maybe they would run to the light out of their darkness and confusion. And I'm not trying to say we've got it all figured out, but I will say this. I know even in my own family, for our children, we've been answering this question relative to homosexuality since, since our son was a, a child. And, and Davis comes in the house and asks a question of something that he's heard out in the world and says, what does this mean? And that one was he was a little boy. And you know what we did? We answered it. We answered his question. We didn't say, don't worry about it, man. We answered his question. We, we, we said, this is what the scripture says. This is how we treat people who, who would live a lifestyle that's apart from God. This is how we're going to answer this question with the truth. We're going to let you know that what we believe is right and wrong. You don't, you can't just go away and say like, ah, all of us in here, I would think that, I won't say all of us, I would think many of us in here could have this testimony where we would say, I wish somebody would have told me. Are you with me? Of, of whatever it is. I wish somebody would have told me. Man, I read this illustration today, and I hope I can remember it. I read this illustration of a, a, a lady that was, was teaching in a certain church, and basically she was telling the truth that, that sin s- sincerely separates one from God. Like it, it will send you straight to hell if it's left where you remain in it. And, and that is what happens for those who love their sin more than they would have, have faith and trust in God. And basically she said that, that when she preached that, when she taught that, however you want to look at it, that there was a woman that came up to her that had been in a same-sex relationship for many, many years to the point where they had children and grandchildren. And she told her after she had preached the gospel, had taught the, the scriptures, had read the verses that we read tonight, she said this, why would somebody not tell me that all those years ago? So that's, that's the thing we need to consider is that we're just letting people just, like we just assume they know the truth of the Bible. Well, do all of us know the truth of the Bible all the time? See, that's the dangerous assumption. Well, they must live in North Alabama. They've got to know it. I mean, Lindsay Lane's been on ZTV for years. Like, so, so what should we think? What should we think? This is one thing, and then we're done. 721. This is one thing, and, and we'll look at this later. Uh, we may just pick this back up at a different time. But how, how should we think? The first thing that I would tell us all 
is that we should think with faith. If we have just said that those who think apart from God, it leads to a darkness and a confusion in their life, then the way that the body of Christ should think is with faith. With the belief that God is right. With the belief that God, what he says about how we should believe, what we should do, how we should act, how we should respond is right. Romans chapter 1 verse 17 The verse before verse 18, obviously, it says, The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And if you're a believer, hear this. The faith is that God exists. Yes, sometimes we just think like a life of faith is just like, yeah, we believe God exists and we believe that Jesus is the way. That's great. And, and I hope that that is truly where our faith begins. But, but the faith is also that God's Spirit is drawing us to the standards of God as people of God and to believe that God's way is better for ourselves. And God's way is better for the, the sins that creep in our door. That God's way is better for ev- everybody's way and that, that we war against our flesh that remains and His way is better than the sin that we feel, the flesh that we fight. That the way that we should handle this is by faith. To believe God for it all. So we must believe God's way is better for all things at all times, period. And even that we should believe by faith that God's way is better for how we stand. Because in our flesh, we'll want to fight that. We want to tell them how weird we think they are and how crazy we think you are. And like, we want to get in our flesh. We want to shout people down. But we also must believe God's way is better for how we respond. And also how we build relationships so that people will be saved. Somewhere I read that Jesus went home with a notorious tax collector. That, That Jesus approached the woman at the well. A woman that came in a different time of day because all the other women were going to talk bound to her and make fun of her. Jesus went knowing that it was that time and spent time with that woman. You see, his way is better. His way is better for all things. Along with that, consider the following. I read from a pastor today. He says, we must respond to this crisis, but how we respond is of the utmost importance. Our aim is redemption, not rancor. We must never speak of homosexuality as if it is the one sin worthy of the eternal flames. Yes, the Bible does condemn homosexuality, but it also condemns a host of other sins that are rampant in the best of our churches. Now listen to this. This is from Dr. James Dobson. Dr. James Dobson said, If the church gets overrun with homosexuals, that will be terrific. They can take their place in the pews right next to the liars, gossips, materialists, and all the rest of us who entertain sin in our lives. That's strong, y'all. And that's from Dr. James Dobson that many Christians love to quote. Not all people who are practicing sin are doing so with an agenda. Not all people who are practicing sin are doing so with flying flags and attending rallies and holding signs. There are those that are dealing with real feelings. However misguided they may be, they want hope from God. A right relationship with a Bible-believing Christian who upholds truth while offering grace to them will go a long way. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us tonight. We'll be dismissed. If you would like more information on Lindsay Lane, you can visit us online at lindsaylane.org or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to what God is doing here at Lindsay Lane, you can text LLBC to 73256. 
Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week.